Hello and welcome to another episode of Euro 2020 Happy Hour and we're not live. <laughs> <laughs> With myself Sham, otherwise known as FPL Two Guys One Cup. And myself Rob, otherwise known as FPL Panda. Rob, it's the final episode after 24 Nation Preview Podcasts, 13 Lives episodes and one pre-record, which is this one. Uh, Euro 2020 Happy Hour is nearly over. And what better way to finish it off by England being in the final? How are yeah. you feeling? Um, I would say it's sad face for uh, the like Euro 2020 pods being over, but it's happy face because of obviously the events of last night. I'm still pinching myself every couple of minutes to, um, yeah, can't believe it still really. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm more like it's one of those things because obviously I've got tickets for the final. Just a, another reminder that I'll be there. Um, so it was one of those things that is like, oh. It can't happen because I'm not going to be, uh, you know, I've got tickets for the final, so I'm going to end up seeing Italy, Denmark. So, like, last night with us winning was just madness. Yeah. Buzzing. It's crazy. Uh, right. So, for our final episode, we welcome back our nation reps again. And that is, of course, our England rep, uh, James from Planet FPL, and our Italian rep, also James. Uh, <laughs> boys, how you doing? Confused. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is the thing. Both of you called James. I don't know how we're going to get through this pod without being confused. Uh, other James, how are you doing? Uh, Italian James. Other James. <laughs> yeah, other, other, other James. James B. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, mate. Probably the most uh, relieved Englishman that uh, it's an England-Italy final. So. Nice. Well, we'll we'll come to that soon because uh, you've got split loyalties, or maybe not. Uh, but we're, we're you're our Italian rep that's English supporting England when we're you're coming on to give advice about Italy. Uh, now I'm even more confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, um, Planet FPL, James, how are you feeling after last night? Hungover. <laughs> yeah, no, hungover. I'm feeling. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, it was all very easy in the end, wasn't it? No stress. <laughs> no stress at all. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, delighted. Really, really pleased. Re- really, really pleased. Um, that's a big hurdle for us to clear a semi-final, irrespective of who we were playing. We know we were favourites. They're a very good side. Weren't there to be underestimated. I don't think we did underestimate them. They were a big threat when they got into the final first. They could play when they got it in the top end, so... Delighted we come through it. Delighted with the way we finished the game. Particularly pleased with the way we started extra time. I think we deserve to win. Nice. Uh, James, our Italian rep, <laughs> I guess for you, you're in a very weird position where you're on the pod representing Italy, but I'm sure you actually want England to win as an Englishman. So uh, I'm not sure how much English bias we'll get from you as an Italian rep on our pod. <laughs> No, no, I really enjoyed the game last night. I have to admit, uh, I, I think it was more a sense of relief last night for me getting through. I think I was more nervous watching the Italy penalty shootout than I was watching England for that last five minutes. But no, relief and best of both worlds for the final for me. I think you couldn't be a football fan if you weren't nervous in that penalty shootout on Tuesday night. I mean, I, my na- I didn't have any button nails to bite last night because I've bitten them all on Tuesday. <laughs> watching extra time penalties because it was such a brilliant game you just you you didn't want either team to lose because both teams did well I mean from a fantasy perspective I wanted Italy to go through um because that was the team I gambled on but you it was such you didn't want a team to lose and yeah it was um just nerve-wracking I think all round yeah we'll come to that penalty shootout shortly but just before that how many 
people do you think were sitting in their living room when Morata went to take up going, I know he's going to miss. He's going to miss. He's going to miss. And literally, he missed. <laughs> like, I was there going, yeah, he's definitely missing. Um, right. So, not only have we got Italy and England in real life, but we also have Italy and England in our fantasy football rep cup with both the Jameses progressing through to the final, uh, which is really mad, to be honest. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. Um, so, but more about fantasy later. Um, let's review the semi-finals first, and then we'll go on to a preview of the final, and then we'll talk some fantasy. So let, let's talk about that Italy-Spain game first. So, James, Italy rep, I'll come to you first. Um, talk me through that game. Uh, I think we found out the other night that Spain maybe started to unlock the blueprint that may unlock uh, what was probably the most surefire defence in the tournament alongside England. I think it was probably the game that I've seen Italy most uncomfortable in for a long, long time. The, The way the Spanish midfield three gave Jorginho nightmares all night in behind him. Uh, Benucci and Chiellini didn't know if they were coming or going at points. And I think that was seen in the goal where I think Chiellini stepped out and got caught caught trying to press Olmo for the ball that then fed in Morata. I would say that I was impressed by Emerson. I, I think Spinozola is still a miss, but he's not as big a miss as I thought he was going to be. I think Emerson had a solid game. And if we can get a strike of firing, that would be nice. If Immobile actually fancies doing something now, uh, we might be a threat in the final, but at the moment, all that attacking threat seems to be coming through Insigne and Chiesa, which I think can be easily countered and not having a potent number nine might be Italy's downfall in the end. Do you think Immobile has got a risk of his position being dropped for the final or he's just a lock there anyway? I would I wouldn't have thought so. There hasn't been any suggestion of it uh reading around today that while I was doing the only thing I saw is there was a huge clamour that we need someone to be in that midfield three, especially now we know it's against England, um, that's gonna screen the back four a little bit better and obviously the man to probably step up out of the squad would be Locatelli to do that. It's then a decision of who do you drop from that midfield three because the three that are in there at the moment are all world-class players on the day. But I think if Italy go in with the same game plan they did against Spain, I can only see the England midfield picking up those gaps, much like the Spanish midfield did. Do you think in this game it was a case of Italy not playing great or was it that Spain just played really well? Because obviously, you know, all throughout the tournament, Italy have been a great side. Um they didn't have the ma- a lot of possession against Spain, but was that just because Spain were just really good? I, I think um, I even I said it at the time, if we'd played a team that could actually score some goals, we would have been dead and buried well before uh, Spain got their goal to equalise. I think Ayazabal missed two or three guilt-edge opportunities and Morata probably had another one plus the one he scored. I don't think we played badly, but there's definitely... 20 30 percent there in that team and i think uh the game against belgium kind of showed the level that i think they should be striving to be more consistently i think there was a clear drop off compared to the spain game but i think maybe that was to do with the opposition and as i said maybe tactically finding italy out a little bit and not being able to 
kind of shift on the move, their man- mentality and their tactics in game. I think it took a little bit longer than a lot of people expected for us to kind of pick up where we were having problems and try and deal with them a little bit better. What did you think about the penalty shootout? Because that uh, last goal by Jorginho was just like so, such a, a mindfuck to um, the goal, isn't it? All his pens normally are. Yeah, I, I think there was... we. We looked at the penalty order and it scared me to begin with. Obviously, Locatelli stepped up first. I don't know what the rationale is behind that, having you <laughs> holding mid, who doesn't take penalties, step up first. And it was a bad penalty. And then you saw Belotti score a good penalty. Uh, Benucci then stepped up and obviously he was trying to atone for his penalty miss. Was that four or six years ago? Uh, if not longer. Then Bernadeschi, which was a surprise, but then you, there's no one for me that you want taking that fifth penalty more than uh, Jorginho in the Italy team. That kind of hop, skip and a jump, run up. Unai Simon was already on the floor before he'd even decided where he was putting it and he made it quite easy for him in the end. But yeah, it was kind of nerve-wracking throughout. Uh, Rob, James, any questions for the other James? Yeah, it's interesting. To, uh, I'm going to ask James about Locatelli. Do you, do you think he might change it up then? I would be surprised if he does, but I think there's a clamour in Italy for him to do it. The problem is you don't have a kind of outstanding one of the three in that midfield that comes out. I think Verratti got kind of sidetracked for a lot of the Spain game with Koke picking him up. Um, but you know, on his days of world-class footballer. Uh, we've seen it in the tournament already. Jorginho is playing that slightly more defensive role, which I feel like he doesn't really do for Chelsea because he's normally got Kante sat behind him to do a lot of the dirty work. And I think that's kind of the weakness in that Italian three midfield is there isn't kind of a, a man that you'd put hang your hat on to go and give away these dirty fouls, stop it, break it up and kind of disrupt the rhythm they're all three of them are quite want to get the foot on the ball all kind of play the same way and I think if there was one that will be dropped it will be Jorginho for Locatelli wow I would wow. be stunned if he did that <laughs> be a big call wouldn't it yeah I think it would be especially with as I said if we just look in normal time if there's a penalty Jorginho steps up that's kind of kind of a like a big risk that you're playing Jorginho just for there to be a penalty, obviously. But I think Italy, especially now we know it's against England, are really going to need someone to screen that back four, especially the two centre-backs, because the moment one of them gets dragged out, the moment one of them tries to step up with Kane dropping deep, one, they haven't got the pace anymore. And, and two, I think England's runners in behind is going to be a serious problem for them. Rob, any questions for James? No, I think, I I mean, it's good that you mentioned that runners in behind because I think that's what we did see um, the Italian side struggle against Spain. Um, They're breaking that line and um, getting in behind um, a couple of times. And we saw that uh, with England last night that, um, well, the first first goal came from that ball that just broke, split the defence apart and Saka was in behind, and you could see um, something like that. Saka, or maybe Sancho, I think it's going to be Saka, up against Emerson. You can see that 
um, sort of run being made. And um, yeah, I'm not sure. Do you think there's the trust there in Emerson to keep an eye on runs like that? I'm not sure. Um, I don't think we've got much of a choice now, unless we <laughs> unless we move to a back five for the final, which is something I earmarked we might do against Spain, which never came to fruition. But I don't think there's a lot of options there there now. Uh, I think the bigger worry for me is Di Lorenzo going forward is a fantastic wing back, but if he's going to be matched up against Sterling all night, it only takes Sterling to be two or three yards away from him, and no one's catching Raheem. And certainly Benucci and Chiellini aren't catching him on the cover across. That's why I just think there needs to be this kind of screening midfielder in there that can pick up any runners that maybe try and drag the Italian defence forward before a ball's then dropped in behind. You suggested it earlier, didn't you, James, that um, you think Grealish might play on the left instead? Yeah, possible. Uh, if you'd have asked me pre-game last night, I, my instinct would have been that Sancho would would come in for Saka. Um, on what I saw last night, it made me kind of flip with the idea because Sterling was so much more aggressive, actually, when he went to the right. And I think of, I know what James is obviously saying about going up against Di Lorenzo, but I mean, you fancy Sterling against Emerson all day as well, actually. So, I mean, it's a possibility he could go Sterling right and then Grealish left. Grealish obviously offers control to what England want to do. But I I think the most likely is um, it'll probably go Sancho. I, I think he's he's really keen to get the two attacking players. I'm not saying it won't be Saka again. You're basically looking at the team being same as last night with Saka's place possibly in question. And then it's a case of, is it Sancho, Grealish or Trippier if he wants to change the system? I'd be very surprised if he went back free. I think he wants to get Kane dropping into the hole, which... I screamed for a lot and we saw a lot more of last night. I think Spain um, is kind of well documented, set the blueprint, didn't they, for how to beat Italy. It's interesting. James is talking about the concern from Italy in terms of trying to firm up that area. If they don't, you want Kane dropping deep and you want the pace to go beyond. And I, from that perspective, for me, if I was picking the team, I would go Sterling and Sancho and go for it. Because I know um, you've been you know, saying how impressed you've been with Italy throughout the whole tournament yeah. and FPL James. And, you you know, you've tipped them from the very beginning that you think they're going to win it. Um, was there anything in the Spain game that you saw that you were like, do you know what, if England get to the final, we can exploit this? Yeah, absolutely loads, actually. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one thing you have to be a little bit careful with the other night is no one plays like Spain, right? England are not going to have 70% of the ball against Italy. We know that. In fact, if England score first... The, likely to probably have sub 40%. I wouldn't be surprised, actually. Um, but I think the the key jewel for me would be if Italy go the same way, Phillips versus Verratti, and then pushing Mount to man-mark Jorginho, because Pedri was looking for Jorginho all game long and was still flitting into the half spaces, which is exactly what Mount does as well. Jorginho gets split on the goal. Morata drops in. You think of Kane doing that. Runners beyond, we, we can have some joy. Benucci and Chiellini are world-class, little doubt about it. But they do like to step out of position. Mm. And as James has highlighted as well, they ain't going to catch a Sterling or a Sancho if they, if they get beyond. And if they can come in off the flanks, think of Tottenham and Kane and Son and stuff, then England can definitely have some joy. I mean, way more confident than I would have been pre Tuesday night. We know Spain in terms of the way we play, 
But I think it did highlight that there are some weaknesses in this Italian team, which previously was difficult to find because for me, they've been the best team in the tournament. And I think still, if Italy play to their 100% maximum on Sunday, are probably still the most likely winners. OK, let, let's talk about the England-Denmark game then last night and then we'll talk a bit more about the final. Um, James, talk us through it. What was your thoughts on the game last night? Uh, started really well. Really liked the tempo at the start of the game. Uh, Phillips started a lot higher than Rice. That kind of interchanged the longer the game went on. We didn't score. We allowed Denmark back into the game. There was a, a kind of real nervous spell before and after Damsgaard's goal. We recovered well. Which Michael makes the save from Sterling. You start banging your head against the wall and thinking, this is fucking happening again, those. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and then Kane dropping in. The control and the pass, literally he does it in one movement. If he doesn't do it in one movement, Saka's offside. The goal can't happen. Uh, Kier was obviously very unfortunate to concede the own goal. Then it was a dodgy spell kind of about minute 60 to 70 where I felt Denmark could feel that it was an opportunity to try and win the game. And I don't know if it was England just taking a a little bit of a, a breather. There, there was definitely a period at one point in that second half of they're letting these have the ball here. But the problem was when Denmark got into the final third, they were dangerous, right? You, you could feel the kind of anxiety. I was I was more nervous Denmark coming at us than Germany last week, for example. But then from that period of sort of 70 minute or so, we was in so much control. They were out on their feet. And I think there's there's reasons why the difficult group stage they've had to play the same team basically all the way through bar a couple of attacking players. Um, they'd obviously travelled back from Baku. There were a lot of things that went Denmark uh, against Denmark, not least the penalty, which is a dive. Let's be honest about it. It's not bullshit. It's a dive. Yes, Do you really think bit. it was a dive though? Even though yeah, there was contact. Yeah, Sham, you're blinded, mate. There's contact. There's there's no way you should be going down there, mate. Yes, there's contact, which is why it didn't get overturned. Ironically, I said this on our pod earlier, that I think if it was um, Premier League VAR, I probably would have overturned it, actually. But UEFA had set their bar so high, no overturning decisions unless it's clear and obvious. And because there was contact, they wasn't going to overturn it. It's a, di- it's a dive, mate. Sterling dives, Kane dives, Italy have got divers. Immobile is still celebrating the. But that is all part of the game. Morella's right? goal in Munich, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that that's all part of the game, though, right? Like if you don't, if you don't, unfortunately, it's just the way that if you don't go down in the penalty area, yeah, you will get not get a penny. Yeah, um, I mean, that, the 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 problem. But is... how many times has it happened where people haven't gone down and we've said, "Why didn't you just go down? You should have gone down. You would have got a pen." Like, yeah, that's just part of. The no, game. no. Listen, you can't blame the player. It's the rules of the game that were a problem yeah. because you know you're not going to get the decision if you stay on your feet. That's part of the problem. The other issue at the moment is there seems to be... We saw this a lot in the Premier League up until, weirdly, about game week 35 last last season. No punishment for diving. Dive and get away with it. There's no consequence. You just don't get the decision. Um, and the game carries on. So it, the whole thing at the moment is encouraging players to go down easy. And everybody, every country, every club's got their divers and stuff. Sterling's our best at it. Because he draws people and he kind of commits people to dig out little toes and think they can win the ball and stuff. Sometimes he overdoes it, but he was so direct and brilliant last night. And technically, Who are you really impressed with I, I'm sure James would agree night? with this. An Italian Italian perspective would probably be that's great forward play from Sterling yesterday, I should imagine. Yeah, 100%. I think it's you've also got to look at his gamesmanship and I think that's something not to hark back to Italy, but there's one area that I think Italy are 
massively superior to England did is the uh, the dark arts. We've seen it against uh, Spain the other night with Chiellini and Jordi Alba with the penalties. No one ever thought at that point that Italy were going to lose. I think a lot of people, when they saw how relaxed Chiellini was and even going back to the Belgium game where we talked about the time wasting and the ball not being in play, I think that if there's one area that Italy far outshine England is this kind of gamesmanship and this dark arts and it as you said it's it's one of those that if it goes for your team everyone's celebrating if it goes against your team everyone's complaining so it's one of those yeah it's I mean it's something that I mean I was listening to the radio on my home way home last night and um they said over the years like there hasn't been England haven't exploited that and use that in their favour over the years. and But it's gone the other way. And like Diego Simeone in 98, um, Ronaldo in 06, um, like this like gamesmanship that's been against us. And for once, like we, we've gone and done it the other way. And like, yeah, you don't, you don't like it, but like at the end of the day... <laughs> um, we won. We don't have a fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it happened like... <laughs> Yeah, cry. <laughs> um, All the other reps in our group chat are just like proper bitter about it. Oh, I, think, mate, I, think I, wanted, because... I wanted to leave that group chat. Uh... <laughs> I was the only one defending England last night. I think, I think yeah. because for the neutrals, I think most neutrals around the world um, last night, because of everything um, through the tournament with this Danish side, and they have been brilliant and entertaining to watch, everyone was rooting for them. And everyone was against against England, and I think that just it, it it like yeah, it's a shame that the game was won in that way. But I think the way that England pl- were playing at the time that the penalty came, they were crocheting like from yeah, as James said, from around minute seventy, they were just building and building and building. That a goal was going to come eventually. Like they were just knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and like yeah, he was. The goal was coming, and it's just it might. It's just a bit of a shame that it was the penalty was won in that way. Right. Let's talk about the final then, uh, England versus Italy. Um, Italian rep James, um, what do you think the setup's going to be here from this Italian side? Uh, what do I think the setup's going to be? I think yeah. we're almost going to try and take what Spain did against us, and I think. If we're honest, Italy will probably have more of the ball than England. I think Italy's plan will be to try and turn that Wembley crowd against England by England not having the ball and by making it look like England aren't doing a lot when they do have the ball. As I alluded to before, I think Italy will be very street smart and I think it will be a very niggly game. I don't think you're going to see... Uh, as many kind of one-on-one runs that don't get bought down, don't get stopped, as maybe we've seen in previous games from England. I think Italy's game plan will be to try and stretch it for as long as possible. Obviously, an early goal would be nice, but I think the longer it stays at nil-nil and the more that England mainly going to be an English crowd in there let's be honest in Wembley there's not going to be a lot of Italians in there the longer that Wembley crowd gets on England's back I think we've seen from England that there's a mistake or two from a couple of players in there 
and I don't think there's a mistake from it from the Italian team that will come. So it's just going to be taking that opportunity when it arrives. But I think it will be one that Italy look to take deep from early on. Uh, you're in a unique position where you know a lot about the Italian team and obviously the English team. What do you, where do you think the main battles are going to be and where this game will be won or lost? I think the midfield three, as I said before, is key. If it's Mount again in that kind of slightly further advanced role for it, the English midfield, I think Italy, have, as I said, got to be careful of the screen in the back four off and protecting them. But going the other way, Mount is a good defensive player, but I think there's some joy to be had with those three midfielders, uh, the Italian three midfielders going forward. I feel if Verratti can get his foot on the ball and dictate the tempo, which we've seen him do multiple times for Italy and Paris Saint-Germain, I think Calvin Phillips might be in for a long evening. And I wouldn't be surprised if... There isn't a one or two points of threat that England are going to lose a player because of cynical fouls off Rice and Phillips trying to impose themselves on that Italian midfield. And then, as I said, I think the key the key for me is Benucci and Chiellini. Obviously, everyone's going to be aware of the threat of Kane dropping in. We saw the pass he played for Saka last night, but it's just not getting drawn into that battle of, of going with him and trying to let, let a midfielder pick him up. And then, you know, if worst case scenario and there's no one else there, then obviously one of the defenders would have to go with him. Planet FPL, James. <laughs> um, where where can England win this game? How, how can we win? Other than obviously scoring goals, tactically, where, where do we win? Like, like most football games uh, at this level, it's in between the lines of midfield and, and defence. So, I mean, Mount is a great, I want to say defensive 10. He can be. I really think he could do a great man marking job on Jorginho and just play him similarly to how Pedri did the other night. But um, again, if you can move Jorginho out of position, that blueprint was there to be seen Tuesday night. I think my, my biggest concern is if Italy have big control of the game, the pass that really concerns me is Jorginho into Barella. If Barella can play higher than he did against Spain because he kept getting drawn inside. The link wasn't quite right for Italy between midfield and attack in the Spain game. That's the one that worries me. But I think if you stop that at source, which for me is Jorginho, then I think we can have some real success. I think we're, we're probably stronger than Italy in the wide positions. Uh, Chiesa and Insigne, obviously, we presume it'll be those two, are obviously a great threat. But I think fullback versus fullback, I think we've probably got a little bit of strength. I, if it's Sterling and Sancho, we've got to go at the opposition. I, I think if England can win the midfield battle, and I don't think that's necessi necessarily even possession orientated, I think that's a, a lot about stopping Italy, then I think we can win the game. Do you think that Rice and Phillips um, and Mount, in fact, have too little experience to be able to win that battle in the middle? I know Barella's young, but Verratti and um, Jorginho have loads of experience between them. Do, do you think that they're too inexperienced to win that midfield battle? Nah, I mean, well, Mason Mount's got a Champions League winner's medal, so I, I don't think that's going to bother him too much. Phillips, really importantly, is, is energy. It doesn't stop, right? It's phenomenal stamina. 
Um, Rice is, is obviously the protector. The, the the key for him, if England go structurally and kind of go man-to-man to Verratti and Jorginho, Rice has got to be very conscious of A, Barella picking up that kind of half-space issue. And obviously the same if Insignia is going to come off the, the left-hand side. But that's very dependent on if they can get Emerson high, which is another reason why I'd like to play Sancho particularly, because I just think he'd be too worried about him. I don't... Emerson is no Spinozola. I don't think he did badly in the Spain game, but the, the balance, that attacking left-hand side threat is not quite as big. It, it just can't be. And you'd fancy Kyle Walker in one-on-one situations in any case. So I think there's a lot to be positive about. I really think it's... Uh, James, I think, would probably agree with it. I really think it's all on the midfield battle. We'll probably decide the game. Yeah. The, the, sorry, go on, James. No, no I, I, I agree. And I think... Um, what what the other James said about the the English midfield being too inexperienced. I think they've I think Rice and Phillips have come of age in this tournament. I know Rice has been doing it in the Premier League for West Ham for a couple of years and Calvin Phillips has had a good breakout year this year with Leeds, but I think they've really come come of age in this tournament and the fact that you've got a Champions League and a Premier League winning captain sat on the bench that hasn't really had a sniff because those two haven't put a foot wrong kind of shows their their two qualities. I think they also don't they also don't have the burden, Sham. They don't have yeah. they don't have the burden of past failures. All they know in terms of their major tournament experience is winning football, right? They're only bad nights the Scotland game. So they've got belief in what they're doing. They don't carry the kind of the shadow of Croatia or anything like that from three years ago or worrying about they're gonna have spells without the ball. They'd be used to that from the Germany and the Croatia games. So no, I don't think that's an issue. At it, all. I mean do you think last night in that sort of first half hour or so up until the goal do you think it just took them a, like though rice and phillips uh, in particular do you think it took them a while to settle down into the game um because so there was a lot of not misplaced passes just just not um there they didn't wasn't have a much, great half really did yeah they? it wasn't very simple like they could have trying to overplay the ball maybe at times um i'm i I mean, what I felt was that the occasion um, maybe was, I mean, for them two particularly, it was the biggest game they'd ever played in. Um, and I thought maybe the occasion got the better of them. But then they, after um, Denmark's scorn, um, they kind of, I think it was very much right heads on. And then they grew into the game a lot, uh, a lot better. Do you think it was the occasion that got them or just... Um, the way that the game suddenly swayed off that first five minutes. I think in the case of both of the players, Rice and Phillips, obviously it's been the biggest game of their lives every time, right? Each time it's getting more and more important. This weekend will be no different. I think Denmark obviously funneled into more of a 5-4-1 and obviously Phillips, as I said, started a lot higher than than Declan Rice originally. And I think they kind of thought it was going to be a pressing battle. Denmark didn't do that so much. It was more about isolating spaces on the counter-attack. I think the real problem they had was because Rice was kind of he plays as kind of an eight when they play like that. Rice sits and obviously Mount plays the kind of floating half space on the left. The problem was Damsgaard kept coming off the left and playing the kind of a similar role to what Mount does on the opposite side. So Rice had to keep going over. And when he did, Braithwaite was coming and picking up the pockets as well. And it left England a little bit confused for a while. So, but once they'd sussed that out and got the tempo of the game right, Phillips went a bit deeper from there on in, I think, uh, particularly in the second half. Then we had a bit more control then. 
the bookies have England slight favourites for the game. Toss a coin, Sham. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, what do you think? Is it? Is it? Would you say England are favourites, or would you literally say it's fifty-fifty? Or I think if 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 the game was on a neutral venue, you would definitely make Italy favourites, in my opinion. Experience we, we, is kind of contradictory. We're saying for Rice and Phillips, don't worry about it. But that experience at the end of the game, particularly, I think defensively with Bonucci and Chiellini, particularly if they get ahead, you know they've got the experience to get the job done. So I think Italy would be slight favourites. I think the fact that it's at Wembley really does make the game a, a coin toss. I mean, you're saying favourites, but I mean, it's basically a 50-50 the way they've priced it up. I've, yeah. I've had a look, there's a packet Nothing of fags between them, basically. Yeah. So it is, a, it is a real 50-50 game. I think first goal will be crucial, but not necessarily decisive. Um, one other question for you. How, obviously, yesterday's game was the first time that we've uh, been behind. Obviously, it's our first goal that we've conceded. How do you think the boys reacted to that? Because I think that was a, a lot of people's questions before the game was, if we go behind, how are we going to react? Uh, you know, I'm worried about that. Were you impressed with it, with how they reacted? Uh, yes, originally, because that spell towards the end of the first half, it actually flipped from once we'd got the equaliser, of actually thinking, can we go in front before half-time? Yeah. So the reaction was really good, actually. Um, that's a difficult one because they wouldn't have gone through that challenge previously. But no, I think they, they did fine. There was a little concern for a brief period in the second half. But actually, from when Denmark went in front, other than a couple of minutes directly after the goal, um, we were fine, mate. We I think we reacted really well. Italy rep James um would um would you say would you agree with James about the favorites being literally 50 50 or do you have a different opinion no I, I'm fully in agreement with James I think the point he makes about a neutral venue is is key if it was not in England I think Italy might just shave it but at the moment if if anything I just give it slightly to England being at Wembley I think if they can keep the crowd on side, then that'll be a huge boost for them. Uh, but yeah, really, really, basically a 50-50. Okay, before we talk fantasy, Rob, have you got any, do you want to add anything else or do you boys want to add anything else? No, I'm looking, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. Like, yeah, we're still three, what, three or four <laughs> days away from it. It's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, once, I think it's going to take another day or so and then I think once we hit the weekend that's when um, the excitement will start building and um, yeah I think we're we're in for the greatest party that this country's ever seen on Sunday um, <laughs> win or lose really there'll be um, yeah certainly be in our generation brilliant. anyway yeah yeah definitely Right. OK, let's talk fantasy then. So um, most people are coming into this uh, game with probably seven or eight players between the two teams. Um, we've got five free transfers. Um, who do we get and what do we do? A lot of people are asking, you know, do we hedge our bets and or go all in? Um, I'll come to you, Planet FPL James, first. What do you think? Oh, it's all in. It's got to be for me. All yeah, in no, or no, or no you don't go half measures. Oh, well, if he does well, I love him. Nah, I'd sod that. Get get eight from the... It's eight's the maximum you can have, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so get eight from the team you, you want. Or if you're really unsure because it is a 50-50 split, I think get eight from the team that you're best set up to get from, be that Italy or England. Because I think that's what the majority of people do. But 
rather than us necessarily all having the same team, I think you get a, a pretty 50-50 split there in terms of whether it's kind of all in England or all in Italy. And it doesn't ha- it's obviously not completely all in because you're you're kind of forced into having three players from the other team, right? So, I mean, my immediate thoughts is to look at doing a 5-4-1 formation. Yeah. Um, purely on if the game finishes nil-nil and goes to pens, you're picking up at least three pointers from the midfielders, blanket clean sheets. That's and is that um, four, do you reckon four from, it? Uh, sorry, five from England in terms of Pickford and, and the four defenders or? Yeah, it depends the way I, I mean, I, I think if, if England did go with a back five, I'd want to get a lot. Uh, Trippier, I, I mean, I've got Stoneshaw and Pickford. I think I'd want to go to a lot. My intention at the moment is to get Maguire and Walker with the freeze I have got. Um, I've already got. I'm already sitting there with six England as well. So I think it's quite straightforward for me in terms of what I do. For those that I've got um, are looking to get eight England then, and then three Italians. Would you advise to try and get um, attackers like the main three attackers in Mobley, Insigne, and Chiesa, or try and get a defender in there as well, or a goalie? Uh, is that for me? Sorry, Sean. For you, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the the best three probably to have, if you uh, if England go over back four, I would have thought it's probably Emerson, Insigne, and Chiesa. Okay, it's probably the the best way to do it. I would have thought. I've got Immobile sitting in there, but I'm. Oh, <laughs> Can we talk about him next week? To be honest, I think with what I'm going to do, it might sound ridiculous, but I think I might bench him. He hasn't really, I mean, all in all, apart from match day one, didn't he get a brace in match day one? Yeah, and that's it. But apart from that, he hasn't done anything. No, he's done no. nothing to make me go, oh, he needs to be in my fantasy team for the final. Whereas the other players, Insigne, Kane, Sterling, Chiesa, like all of these attacking players, have, like they've done something in the last week that says, I need you need to be in my team. Not really. Um, yeah, Mobile, I'm just, I'm not sold on at all. Uh, James, what do He'll you score think? the winner all now. In or, uh, <laughs> all in or hedge your bets? Um, I'm conscious I'm... that, before you answer that question, I'm conscious that both of you are against each other in the final <laughs> of the cup. Uh, so. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I would be with, I'm on the same mindset as James, as back the team that you think is going to win and go eight and eight and three. I don't think I can get there because I'm just looking at my team. I think I, I'm on... I'm on five and five at the moment between England and Italy. So um, I can kind of get near uh, what I want, but I will make probably off my team now hedge my bets a little bit. I'm with James. I like the idea of the 5 4 1. I think there's one standout striker for that game, and that's Harry Kane. Uh, the four in midfield, I think there's. It's pretty obvious you take the, if you're going to do your your split and hedge your bets, you take the four out-and-out wingers, the two from each team, be that Sterling, Sancho, Insigne and Chiesa, let's say. And then the five at the back, I think, is really up for grabs. At the moment, I've got Maguire, Stones and Shaw and Donnarumma and Di Lorenzo. I'm with James that I might try and get a full English defence and maybe leave a couple of attacking Italian options. But I think hedging your bets is obviously going to be a little bit safer. But 
if people are looking to make some points and gain gain some rank, then you're going to have to captain someone that's a little bit outside the uh, outside the norm, and maybe hedging your bets gives you a couple more options to do that with. One thing that I found interesting, so I was playing around with the team this morning and trying to work out budget because um, I don't have Sterling, so I was trying to bring in Sterling. Um, you obviously have to have a striker and. Um, like so, I was looking at swapping out Morata for a striker. The only strikers that you would probably want to start if you did was Kane and Immobile. But Italy have a five point five million striker. Yeah. Is it Gasparini? Rasparini. Yeah, Gasparini. That's it. Rasparini. So Gasparini. I was saying Gasparini. Rasparini. <laughs> <laughs> whatever his name is. So I think that's a good shout. Bringing doing one transfer to save some money. He's a certainty. Um, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 genuinely, he's the, he's the first transfer. He's certainty for yeah. everyone. Uh, but a lot of people wouldn't have thought that. It's right? Blossi. It, it just frees up the funds, cheaper. doesn't it? Yeah. Is Blossi any cheaper than Immobile? I think he's eight million. Yeah, he's probably cheap. So he's about two million cheaper now, than if Immobile. Yeah, if you're not, if, but if you're not going to start him, then there's no point getting him in, really, is there? Uh, I, I was just trying to. I would take the gamble that, on Belotti coming on and. I'm just thinking time. if you can do the same moves and not use Rasparini and use Velotti, Velotti's more likely to get on out the two if you don't need to save the four and a half million and you can I mean, get away with your transfers. A lot of people will be sitting there with like only probably four players that they need to ship out, really. And like on top of that, you're going to get to see the lineups. Um, at, you're probably going to get them long before seven o'clock. I think most people will know the lineups by probably about six o'clock on uh, Sunday evening. Um, so you're going to have time to sit there and um, sort it out, unless you're absolutely sh- like pissed up from a day out, <laughs> day out drinking. Um, but yeah, I've, I, I think yeah, Murata is in a lot of teams, and yeah, sticking him in, taking him out for the cheapest player possible just to make sure you can get, um, you've got like Insigne, Sterling, um, and like all of the defenders for both teams now are expensive players. Um, so, yeah, it's... yeah. I mean, there are obvious other ways of doing it. Um, you know, if, if, for example, you're there with Simon and Schmeichel for whatever reason, there's uh, 4.5 Italian goalkeepers as well. I think if you yeah. if you did, if you weren't going to go blanket England and were to go blanket Italy, you could obviously look at Ramsdale and Johnston. There's also likes of Ben White, four million defensively as well. If you want more offensive players, um, so there are other ways of doing it. But that I think that's spot on, Rob. A lot of people will have Morata. You drop that down to uh, Raspadori, and then you've got the money to to spread where you might have been sitting there with cheap players. Every, everything becomes affordable, basically. Hmm. Do, do we go Captain Kane then or Captain a Defender? What do you think, James? Planet of James? Uh, I haven't decided, mate, because it's three days away. But um, it will be Kane, Sterling or Shaw. It might be that I go Luke Shaw. Shaw Burton. James? Shaldini this weekend, mate. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say Kane Sterling or Luke Shaw just to put James off and I'll decide my captain. <laughs> on I'm, I'm looking at Sterling myself James, at the moment. listen, I'll send you a screenshot of my team. <laughs> <laughs> I might go Donnarumma captain and hope Harry Kane scuffs another penalty, but that might be another discussion. Uh, Rob, what do you think, captain? Um, at the moment, it's yeah, either Shaw or Kane. 
there. I, I think Shaw, it's fair, I mean, I, there's been a lot of talk about um, some players last night, but my God, he was impressive last night again. Um, I'm not sure if it's my Man United hat on or um, or what, but he was just, yeah, looked so confident um, running up up and down, up and down for the 120 minutes. Um, and like there, there was one point it made me made me chuckle because like about a minute or two earlier, um, the mates that I was with we were talking about the um, that the world was it World Cup '98 when the Brazil squad and they're all in the airport and they're doing flicks and riding challenges and stuff like that. And then it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, and then uh, who was it? I think by then it was Vass that was on. He's like made a challenge, and Shaw's just done this like leap over the top of him, and the balls come out the other side of the challenge, and just it was just perfectly timed. But um, yeah, I think Rob's managed to go from Brazil to Daniel Vass. <laughs> yeah, Brazil to Daniel Vass in in ten seconds. But um, yeah, I, I've got a feeling he's gonna might not score, but he, if England at the moment, if England like from set pieces. And when they're moving forward around that left side, he's just been threatening constantly. He's going to score, lift his shirt over his head and have a picture of I love Mourinho <laughs> on his shirt. <laughs> Imagine it. Um, right, before we go over to some questions, uh, let's get a prediction from you both for Sunday's game. Uh, Planet FPL, James, what are you saying? My my heart tells me that we're going to do it. I really think this is so close, though. I'm going to go for a prediction that you won't hear anyone else this week. I'm going to go nil-nil and England to win on penalties. Bold. Okay. Other James? My head says 1-0 Italy. My heart says 2-1 England after extra time. What are you going with, your head or your heart? Uh, I'll decide on Sunday. Okay. He, obviously, he obviously ain't sending me a screenshot. <laughs> um, Rob? 1-0 England after extra time. Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 England after extra time too. We all think So we all think that we're in for a long night on yeah. Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, and not very comfortable viewing either. Rob, I wasn't thinking I was going to be home at half past ten, mate, honestly. <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks they're going to be home at half no. past ten on Sunday. Half past Good ten or the bad. Morning, maybe. Yeah, I think it's, Just... you're either going to be crawling home crying or... Um, yeah, I think we saw, someone said on um, Twitter earlier there's not enough pe- people uh, being... Too many people analysing the game, not enough being sick in bins. And I think yeah, on <laughs> Sunday night, <laughs> there's going to be a few people sick in bins on the way home. Just quickly before we move on, um, do you think we're going to get a really boring game of football on Sunday or do you think it will be a tactical masterclass, an entertaining game? Because to be fair, the last couple of nights of semi-finals, they have been entertaining games. Um, whether or not, from from our point of view as an English fan, last night was really nervous. But both games have been really good. Um, do you think it's going to be like that or it's oh. going to be like a really drab, boring game? I'll jump in and pass that question to James and ask him when was the last time Italy were involved in a boring game? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Well put. Uh, well, Wales one 0 when there was uh, the Italian Second B team. The Italian <laughs> B team. Uh, before that, I mean, they only beat San Marino seven 0 in a friendly before the, <laughs> before, before, before the Euros. That was pretty boring after a while. No, um, 
I think I'm saying it's going to be the same as after what I said about the Spain game. I think for the football purists, it's going to be an interesting tactical game for the general audience. People might find it boring. Well, to be fair, the general audience, the Spain game, a lot of people that I know that don't like football watched it and were like, this is such a good game of football. Okay. If the game's shit, it'll be England's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a fair point. Probably a fair point. Mm. Uh, Right, okay, let's move on to questions. Uh, Rob, what have we got? Um, Right, let's... Well, we've pretty much covered this. Uh, this is from uh, Aratravo. Um, with the Italians playing with a three-man midfield, do you think England should change their formation and drop Mount to CM, or not drop Mount, alongside Rice and Phillips, or go with Rice and Phillips in CM as usual? Also, do you think uh, Henderson starts in the final? Do you think there's a shot of Hen... I've, I mean, we've covered most of that question, but do you think Henderson has a shot of... Sorry, I'm guessing it would be instead of Phillips or Rice? No, don't don't see that. To be honest, uh, it would come as a surprise if Henderson played. I think mean, that would be really tough on one of the other two if we left them out. Um, I think it would probably be Rice if he was going to drop either the two out. I don't see that particularly. I think to beat them, we need a high energy game. So to bring someone in who hasn't started a game of football in what four or five months would be a really big call I, I don't see that what was the other part of the question oh mount and his positioning yeah drop the, be- him. The, the beauty with mason obviously is that you can drop him in there so for me i would want him going man man marking Jorginho. if the italian team comes out and they're playing someone in a in a deeper kind of anchor role and you want to fiddle that about because the man marking jobs off the table then yeah you can drop him in and and play a flat three. The, it, England um, did that in the last 10 minutes of the first half against Ukraine, where Ukraine were forced into the change. They went to a back four, and Southgate immediately changed it. And Mason Mount, just while they worked it out, went and played in a flat three um, for the last 10 minutes of the first half. So if that needs to happen, it can, but I wouldn't want to start that way. For me, the best chance of England winning this game is to be aggressive against the two chief creators in that team. And I, I don't see that from a kind of attacking you know, Insignia's dribbling or Chiesa's direct running. I mean, the the passing between the lines of Jorginho and Verratti needs to be stopped, in my opinion. And I think Mount and Phillips are the two best players for the job. Cool. Right. Next question from uh, Steve Bird. Um, After clearly being the best two sides in the tournament, what does the future hold for both squads looking ahead to 2022, the World Cup and the 2024 Euros? We'll go with um, Italian rep James first. What do you think? Uh, would they, I mean, it's promising for this Italian squad, surely. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the World Cup in where we are now, less than 18 months time, we might just see Chiellini and Panucci one more time. I they might have to win they might have to wheel them out, but um, we'll get. We might get them there. I mean, I think Chiellini just signed another year extension at Juventus today. So he's going to be playing at least next summer in the Serie A at top level. So I can't see any reason why not. Looking further forward, um, I'm a little bit annoyed. Well, maybe not annoyed is the wrong word. Disappointed that we haven't seen more of uh, Bastoni, the young Inter Milan centre back. Because he really will be the next the next person to step in and fill those shoes. Let's forget about, 
you know, Taloy that we've nicked from Brazil. Um, he ain't going to be the future. It's going to be Bastoni and someone to come in with him. But when you look at the rest of that Italy squad, Insigne will definitely make the next Euros, uh, the next World Cup, sorry, might make the Euros in another three years, I guess it is now. Um, but when you look at the fact that Donnarumma's still not turned 23, I don't think, and the rest of that team has still got at least one or two major tournaments in them, except for the centre-back partnership, I think the future for Italian football is only going to get brighter and brighter from here. And James, what do you think about England looking ahead into 22 and 24? Um, I think we've been fortunate in this tournament with injuries. I think longer term, we have a goalkeeper issue. We don't have a great goalkeeper. I mean, if, to most, if, uh, I think Jordan's done great old little arms, but if we had Donnarumma in goal, I'd feel a lot more confident about the weekend. That's that's for certain. We don't have great understudies as yet for the likes of Harry Maguire and John Stones. And I think actually the central midfield area for England's quite light, but we've got people like Jude Bellingham coming through and stuff. So it's exciting. You look at the age profile of all them attacking players and you think... They'll all be in Qatar if they're fit, right? And there's other players like Mason Greenwood who obviously just missed out this time and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, Serge, the idiot I record with, he's talking about bloody legacies this morning. I mean, go and beat Italy first, please. But um, there's definitely hope. The kind of football coming home thing gets branded about. But I, I saw someone tweet last night and say, look, whatever happens Sunday, it might not be, it might not be this year and it might not be next year, but it is coming. It's going to at some point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, this this team and, like, well, squad and the players that missed out as well, there's a lot of promise, um, yeah, looking ahead. And, I, I mean, personally, I'd say, I'm, I'm sure you'd probably both agree, like, it's highly likely whoever wins on Sunday will go into the World Cup next year as probably, um, probably the favourites for the World Cup, would you argue? Argue against Ooh, that? That's brave. Let's that see what. The, let's depending see the depending on the results, obviously, um, over the next year, and then obviously, yeah, there's the uh, the small issue of the Copper America as a like little a curtain raiser for the yeah. final um, on Sunday as well. Um, Rob, if we win the tournament, we'll probably piss it up. We're losing Budapest, <laughs> losing Warsaw, we and we won't even, even qualify, qualify, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine it. Um, Right, it's one from Spencer. We've covered um, a couple of his questions. He asked for a score prediction and changes to the team. But um, he's also asked, where are Italy's biggest weaknesses, if any? Would you say it's that left back spot now? Yeah, I would. Or I would. Up front? I, as we've well, yeah, up front. But uh, Immobile sometimes he doesn't go through these kind of barren runs that he does with Italy but sometimes he goes missing in a Lazio shirt normally for maybe 90, 180 minutes and then somehow bags three the next game. He is prone to maybe having these little barren spells that could be broken at any minute but yeah I think the the key the key weakness is that left hand side of the defence now for Italy with no Spinozola and as I said as great as they are, as amazing as they have been for Italy Chiellini and Bonucci will not be looking forward to 90 minutes of Raheem Sterling and someone else running in behind them for on Sunday night. So that's another weakness that maybe get picked up on. Do you think it's possible, James, that he could play Di Lorenzo at left back? 
I said about this before when we did the the Spain podcast that I would I would be surprised that if he's going to do a shift in personnel or a shift in formation, we have actually seen Di Lorenzo play centre back this year as well. And if we went to a three back, I think that gives them a lot better coverage um, in behind. And I think that's where Di Lorenzo would be better suited compared to switching him out to the other flank would be actually to tuck him inside like Carl Walker does for England. Because I think we've even seen this tournament, Carl Walker's bailed out Henry Aguirre and John Stones once or twice with his pace behind. And I think Di Lorenzo would do a similar job for Italy. So I think if there was going to be a positional change or a tactical change, it would be to go to that back three, which was played quite a lot during the Euro qualifiers anyway. So I can't see him switching flanks, but maybe stepping inside as another centre-back and then allowing Chiesa really to have that whole wing to himself with someone else would be an option. Right, and then finally, I mean, we've had um, we had several people asking. So we've had um, um, Matt or Clean Sheet Wipeout um, ask for a combined seven-a-side team from both the final finalist sides. We've had FPL Thomas from the Man on Pod asking which England players would make it into the team of the tournament, and we've also um, had. Uh, we also had someone somewhere else, I can't even find the question now, um, asked what would be your team in the tournament. So I thought I'd, um, rather than us spend too long going over and arguing about which players would make it, um, I've done it, I've just created a quick uh, graphic for those that um, are watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. Um, I'll quickly run through it um, for those um, listening on audio. Um, I've just created it using the player of the tournament, like the favourites for the player of the tournament. Um, so we've got uh, in this, we've got Gianluigi Donnarumma in goal, um, Carl Walker at right back. I don't know how he's up there in the player. I think he was the top priced right back, obviously. Leonardo Benucci and Harry Maguire at centre half. Uh, Luke Shaw left back. Verratti, Jorginho and Barella um, centre mids. Chiesa uh, right forward. Sterling left forward and Kane through the middle. Now, from that, who would we I can be tell looking you at? that bookies don't know everything, mate? No, no. Yeah, no. Well, so who would we be waited... looking at um, taking out of that side to then switch with someone else? Now, first person I'm um, thinking of is Carl Walker. Like, let's get rid of him and have a different uh, right back. Who would we? go to Planet FPL, James, who would you be replacing Carl Walker with at right back uh, in the we'll team of the play, tournament? We'll just play Joachim Maley on the right-hand side, wouldn't we? I mean, he's right-footed anyway. It doesn't really <laughs> work. I think in actual, in seriousness, in terms of actual right-backs in the tournament, it probably is Kyle. Hmm. I mean, he was brilliant last night. Recovery yeah. um, runs. Um, yeah, I think there was a time just before, was it just before or just after the free kick when Damsgaard was through and Carl Walker just out of nowhere, just rocketing back, muscles him off the ball, call back pass to Pitford, um, and it was like problem sorted. And it's just the, one of the elements of Carl Walker's game that I think we've no, no, um, grown to love, I think, uh, is the phrase, really. I'd want to get Simon Kerr in there somewhere. Yeah. Back. I think uh, he's been great this tournament. But yeah. who, who, would you, who would you drop for Simon Kerr? Probably Benucci. Benucci. Yeah. 
there ain't no way you're coming off that team without putting John Stones in it. Yeah. Literally. And to be honest, if it's Stones or Maguire, it's Stones. Stones but Maguire yeah. didn't play the first two games. Yeah. Um, Luke Shaw, are we happy with Luke Shaw at left back? Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I'd like to pick three left backs. Like, yeah, <laughs> mainly and Luke Shaw. Um, I think the fact that England and are Andy in the Robertson, final, obviously, Andy Robertson, <laughs> one for the Liverpool fans out there. Um, I think the fact that England made it to the final, Spinazzola would probably be in there. Well, he would be in there if he wasn't injured. Um, but the fact he missed out on the semi-final and he's going to miss out on Sunday, I think that just takes him out of the running for team in the tournament, which is a shame, maybe. Um, no, I'd think go, about I'd, putting I'd Pedri in. You'd go in, um, Zola. Instead uh, of Verratti, Pedri. 100%. Um, yep. Yep, I'm agreed. Pedri instead of Verratti. Would you argue um, Emil Forsberg, the Swedish centre mid, uh, instead of either Jorginho or Barella? Instead of Jorginho for me. You you want to you want to put a player in team of the tournament who got beat by Ukraine the last six days? <laughs> he scored he scored four goals from midfield. He scored four goals from midfield, mate. And I think he I think he got like three assists as well. Uh, as a, I do like him. He's a good player. I don't think he would be in the best three midfielders in the tournament. Even as an Italian fan, he, I I think he deserves to get in ahead of Jorginho. Jorginho's done a hop, skip, and a jump to get us into the final. <laughs> That's been about it. I disagree, mate. I think he's been doing a great playmaking job for you. I know he had a difficult game on Tuesday, but I think that's because Spain made it a difficult game for him. Really like Barella. Yeah. Um, I think if we'd have been kind of two games in, we'd have probably been putting Locatelli in this team as well, actually. Um, Pedri has to go in. Yeah. Literally yeah. has to. Oh, that, that semi-final, it was... It, for me, it reminded me of it was like having it was like Xavi um, back in the day, just just so easy and calm, composed on the ball, and just yeah, it was just brilliant, brilliant to watch. Um, right, and then the front three, I think Raheem Sterling is a is a definite. I'm sure there's no yeah. argument there from anyone. Now, there's two names that aren't um, there that <laughs> have scored quite highly in. Um, the fantasy um, team of the tournament as it stands. And that's Patrick Schick of the Czech Republic, who has probably scored the goal of the tournament um, in match day one against Scotland, but he was also brilliant um, in the rest of the Czech Republic's games. And a certain Cristiano Ronaldo, um, who was brilliant, but the, I mean, the team he was in, and you'd argue that was it out of his five goals, four of them were penalties, weren't they? Um, so, would you replace Harry Kane or Federico Chiesa with one of those two? I had Ronaldo instead of Chiesa. That was my front three, Sterling Kane and Ronaldo for me. James? I'd I'd go Shikin for Kane hmm. and uh, I'd stick Lukaku in instead of Chiesa. Yeah, I'll, exactly the he same was, as that. He, I mean, he was brilliant and very instrumental in that Belgian side, especially with the injuries that um, they were struggling from other important players. But The only thing is, it's difficult not to have Ronaldo in there when he might get golden beat. I'm sure I'm sure he'll sleep fine, Sham. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably going to listen back and go, how, how come, how do they not put me in there? Um, this is until this is until Harry gets a brace on Sunday anyway. I hope you're not in the, the stock exchange. Boot. Your shares will plummet. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Um, and I, I have missed right. So we've we've, we've covered that really um, for a team done that quite well in just uh, like three or four minutes. We picked the team of the tournament. Job done. Uh, we'll send that off to Sky Sports and they can uh, use that. Um, and then finally, um, this is from Martin um, at CM Fantasy who said. Do you think a winner's medal with England would affect Kane's feelings towards staying at Spurs? I wonder who they're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Aston Villa fan. That's all I'll say. Wonder Villa. The only <laughs> thing that will affect Harry is if Man City paid the money or not. Yeah. It's beginning to look like they probably won't. No, but it looks like it's an it. extortionate amount of money um, that Daniel Levy wants at Spurs for Harry Kane. Pep Guardiola, I think it was this morning, came out and said, "We're not, like, we're not going to be paying silly amounts of money for a striker. We don't have a number nine. We don't have a number nine. We've got other players to do the job. Um, so yeah, fair dues. Um, we'll just quickly go through the mini league standing. So at the top of the mini league, still Matty Parsons eight, um, sitting there twenty points ahead. I think uh, we're going to be trying to get in contact with Matty Parsons." Um, oh yeah, get in contact with us. To, <laughs> he'll be he'll be joining. Um, uh, well, most likely, and I haven't looked at his team. He could have a team full of Spanish players, for all I know, um, and be absolutely screwed for the final. But um, yeah, Matty, if you um, get in contact, I'm sure you'll be joining us at some point in the next um, four or five weeks. How far are we off? Four weeks off um, four. game week one of FPL. So you'll be wow. joining us for one of our podcasts. For that, um, you two are representing Italy and England in the final of the reps competition. Um, obviously, I'd, James, I think, has the slight Planet FPL. James has the slight advantage by way of goals scored um, from the semi-final. So, um, yeah, if uh, if all scores are tied, then he wins by on on that. Um, so. Yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? I'm going all in England, so if England win, I'm probably laughing. So James is bottling it in. and splitting it. So <laughs> if well England all... don't win, it'll be him, won't it? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure if he goes, if you're going to go all in England, he may as well just go all in Italy and play for the win. Yeah, and I'll captain an Italian just to make everyone happy. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but I think that's that's it. That's it for our Euro 2020 content. Nice. Uh, to both Jameses, thanks a lot for joining. Um, I appreciate uh, you both coming on. I know Planet FPL, James, your schedule is very, very busy, so I appreciate you having <laughs> time. And, and to you, James, as well. Um, right, yes. the... <laughs> doesn't have a live forest yeah. schedule, but he's brilliant. I've just been sat here all day waiting to start. a country you don't even support. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a few thank yous before we sign off. It is the last episode of our series. Um, so thanks to all the Twitter uh, community Euro content creators that joined us for our live stream. Um, to the reps, you've all been really great, and many of which have come on to join us on the live streams. <coughs> and added some really great insight so thanks a lot um to the listeners and the viewers thanks for your support through the euro 2020 series and as always thanks to fpl captain for the graphics uh making our streams look as great as they do and rob as always thanks for your hard work and it's been a pleasure recording with you um 
Even nice. though we say goodbye to Euro 2020 happy hour this week, we say a welcome back to FPL happy hour next week. And we'll, we'll be recording our first episode, which, we, which will be part of the Planet FPL Takeover Week. Um, so stay tuned to that. And don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter and keep sharing. And we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys. Enjoy Sunday. Come on. Come on, <laughs> <laughs>